You're listening to the Hospitality on a Plate podcast, brought to you by Hotel and Restaurant Times, kindly supported by Guestline, an access company, technology solutions for the hospitality industry, presented by Cyril McAree. Here this morning with Tom Randalls. Tom, you're probably a well-known hotelier in your own right. You're a Killarney man. So you might give a little bit of history to your your experience and your your um, that I suppose your understanding of the hospitality. Yeah, I suppose we're a family business uh, established by my grandfather in 1921. My mother, Kay Randalls, opened a hotel, the Drum Hall Hotel, in 1965, which is over 50 years ago. And uh, later on in her career, she opened Randall's Hotel in 1990. So we're a, a third generation business, proud to be in existence for over 100 years. Um, we have two hotels located in Killarney. One is the Drumhall Hotel, which is run by my sister Bernadette Randall's, and Randall's Hotel, which is operated by myself. Okay. And in the, in the sense of the, the history and that there, I presume you you were exp- you were exposed to it at a very early age, were you? Yeah, I certainly was exposed to to working. You know what I mean. I uh, was filling petrol at the age of ten or eleven. Obviously, you do the bottles at the weekend. Um, but you know, my parents always wanted us to do what we wanted to do. We were never encouraged or forced to go into the hotel industry. Um, so actually, I originally started out by doing a Bachelor of Commerce through Shannon College of Hotel Management. And then really, I became to love the hotel industry. While growing up in it, it was, you do a bit of work now and again, but it was really when I went to college in Shannon, when I started to fall in love with the industry. Right. And in your early days, I mean, what, what would the scenario have been, was there for the large events and that there? Like, was, was it, you know, just wing it? Or was there a plan? Or what way did it operate? You know, I think if you look at, successful hoteliers of any era, they never wing it. You know, my mother uh, from her early days was always a terribly organized person, terribly diligent person. Uh, Still, one of her mottos to this day was write it down, get it down on paper. She was a stickler for having things in paper. And I think any good hotelier uh, needs to be very organized. So I think winging it in any in any business in any generation is not a possibility. So I think you know, what's the, what's the saying? Uh, fail to prepare, prepare to fail, you know. So I think that's very true. Yeah, because, I mean, we all remember the boom times when all of a sudden a lot of developers got involved in the in the hospitality industry and, in a sense, created dis- disruption, really, didn't it? It sort of caused a lot of problems. Yeah, I, I think the concept of just building a hotel and hoping that it'll happen and treat you the same as an office block or treat you the same as a business that operates from nine to five, you know, it, you know, Hotelmanship and hoteliers are a different breed of people. We're 24-7, seven days a week. Um, you know, whatever technology comes in, ultimately we're a people-focused business and uh, we need people in this business. So I think hoteliers, you know, we like to go out, we like to meet our, meet our customers. It's very important that uh, the people that work with us, that we're engaging with them on a regular basis, you know. So I think uh, we're a people-driven business, but again, we need to, you know, attention to detail is very important. Your earliest roles, can you remember, like, I mean, you said, you, like, you know, you weren't forced into the industry, and probably that was the, the proper way to do it, to attract you to it, is against push you, because I think when people are pushed, they rebel. So can you remember your earliest roles, uh, apart from, the, you know, the bottling and that there in the hotel? 
look, we, we were always there. We were always there, you know, as a male, you'd always, the traditional role would be, you'd be a hall porter helping with bags, a lot of the heavy stuff. You'd be helping housekeeping, move linen around the place. As you get a little bit older, you know, you start working in the restaurant. Again, as you start getting a little bit older there as well, you start to work behind the bar. So you start to see all, and again, it, a traditional family business, it's, it's wherever the, the role is required. Uh, for me, it's very important to be a family business, but I also think, uh, you know, as I see my own nieces and nephews get involved in the business, there needs to be more formalization and, and proper training. And I think, um, you know, I see some of my nephews now and, you know, they have more formal roles within the business, you know, but again, they're stricter day-to-day -day roles and they enjoy the business, you know what I mean? And, and the same with them, they're certainly not being told to do this or that. And a lot of my nieces and nephews have gone into business. Uh, none of them, unfortunately, at this stage have done hotel management. Um, I have two younger kids. If they decide to do it or not, I don't know. Uh, they want to be carry footballers as opposed to hotel managers at this moment in their time. But let's see. Mm -hmm. Well, reality might kick in, you mm. know. Football doesn't pay the bills. <laughs> Let's not break their hearts yet. <laughs> but, um, you know, you mentioned there are young people, and I suppose that's something the industry has to look at. How do you attract younger people into it, and how do we treat them when we get them in? Is that, that something that they need to look at? Uh, I certainly think it's a huge challenge. Um, I recently returned to Shannon College of Hotel Management and did a master's, and I suppose one of the most interesting modules of the master's was intercultural communications and I, and I suppose we have to realize that the future of this world is not based on people from the country that we work or live in and I fundamentally believe there's a, a lot of younger people that we can attract into this business they won't necessarily be Irish they could be European they could be African it, it's a global world that we live in so I firmly believe that the younger people we should be attracting into the business are of a globalized form but how would that work, do you think, that given Killarney is, 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 is considered the heart of tourism, right? And has a great American following and a lot of American visitors. And I assume they come to Ireland looking for the, for the scales and the stories and the, the banter. Sometimes, you know, other, from other countries, people from other countries don't have that innate sense of storytelling or engagement. You know, I think in the modern world, or a high quality of service delivery is critical. So I think maybe for a long time we relied on the stories and the banter and we didn't always deliver the best of customer service or we didn't deliver an international level of customer service. So it is absolutely wonderful to have uh, somebody who can talk about Ireland and living in Ireland, um, but uh, we also have to deliver a very good service. So I don't think it is critical to to the a modern tourism industry. Okay, and uh, yeah, on that, I mean, like you know, um, you know, you talked about training. Again, there's a question mark over where to, who trains who and who should be training people. Is it should it be the state-run bodies or should it be the the industry itself? There's a bit of both. You know, I mean, there's a there there is a lot of good training available in this country, uh, particularly in the what we traditionally call the the Institutes of Technology, there's, there's a lot of good uh, craft courses, there's a lot of good management courses. So I, I think there is, the state should be providing training, but it's also critical 
that within properties that we train people not only uh, in terms of the job itself, but in terms of customer service. And I think we're all aware that the best hotel experiences we have are hotels that have continuous internal training. Uh, and that's in all aspects of how uh, a hotel employee should operate, how they should treat each other, how they should treat the guest, and again, how that they can develop and improve within their role. So I think training is continuous, and I think that it's, it's very important that hotels train. Do you, do you have your own scheme within your own operation? We do. Uh, we're a small operation, and uh, we'll say Rand's Hotel is a smaller operation. So uh, one of the most important things to me is when somebody arrives, their fundamental training, you know, that they're showing how to do things. Uh, we use SOPs, but I, I think there's nothing better than training, training somebody with somebody, you know what I mean? And that sort of, that on the job training is absolutely critical. We can have SOPs, we can have PowerPoints, we can have video, but on the job training is critical. And, and I think that should be continuous. Um, Almost like a bunter or a, sorry, a buddy, a buddy. Yeah, you know, the, the, the sitting by Nelly, the, the traditional way to do it. And I think it's very important that people, and it's not just about training the job. I, I think respect for one another within a hotel property is very important, you know, from the managing director to the person who might be cleaning the plates, they all have to have equal respect. And that's certainly the way that I like to have people in our property. And it's, you know, it's a the olden days of Mr. This and Mr. That, you know, everybody's first name, it has to be. And we're all there to do a job and we're all equal. And the truth to say, though, like if you look at a big engine, you know, the smallest cog in that engine will stop the big engine working. Absolutely, you know what I mean? And you you, you, you go into a kitchen and you see, a, you, you see a, a kitchen assistant who's not cleaning the plates or not doing the pots, you see the chaos that that causes. The probably the most important role within a hotel is housekeeping. You know, if we can't make the rooms to a, a, a perfect standard, it's all over. And, you know, and they're the house assistants, the kitchen assistants. So everybody has an equal role to play, in my opinion. They're, they're, they're known as the unsung heroes, the people that aren't, they're seen, they're back of house, but without them. Well, I think we should sing more about them. I'd agree with you on that yeah. one. You know, when, when you look at, you know, the, the recent increase in VAT back to 30.5%, the industry was very much against that. What's your own thought, thoughts on that or how do you feel about it? Well, if we look at 9%, uh, it is the correct tourism tax rate for Europe. Most of the countries are between 8, 9 and 10. And that is the median tax rate of all the European countries, even outside of the EU. So we have, by putting our VAT rate to 13.5%, we now have the second highest tourism tax rate in Europe. So why are we taxing one of the biggest industries in the country? You know what I mean? Uh, so I, I don't think it's a great idea to be the most expensive tourism tax rate in Europe. Certainly not. And again, the excitations and things like that there, we, we, we do seem to have a very high propensity to tax this industry. We absolutely, we are an expensive country and we're heavily taxed. And, um, you know, you know, we still are recognised for giving value for money, but that value for money has to be in tandem with a quality product and very good service. I think if we, if we, if the product just improves, if the service disimproves, we will start to be known for bad value. But right now, I, I think we have a good reputation. I think if you look at Killarney, it's a very competitive town. Uh, there's over over 30 hotels, there's over 10,000 beds. 
But that competition, funnily enough, has been good for the town because uh, hoteliers compete on price. We compete on standards. And that has, you know, and if you go to Killarney, if you go to Killarney on a, a, a midweek night in November, December, there's people around. Why are they around? Good value, good hotels. So I think that competition is good. Okay. If you look at, we'll say, um, you know, you talk about good value. When it comes to food, you know, do you, do you, your provenance of your food, is it very much localised or how do you work around that? Yeah, where possible, we absolutely, we would keep it, you know, within the Cork, uh, the Kerry and the Cork region. There's more food producers. Kerry has a good reputation for food production. Uh, Cork is a slightly better reputation f for food production. So we would try and supply a lot between Kerry and, and Cork. Um, you know, but again, it's all local. And again, I think if you're keeping it Irish, uh, you know, if it's coming from further afield, it's not the worst crime ever. Uh, but we do as much as possible try and keep it local. Sometimes we find for example, we had a situation recently, we were looking uh, at very much a local bl black and white pudding producer, but there was no way in the world he could meet the volume that we required. So I suppose we have to balance, um, keep it local, we have to be conscious of price, and we have to have it, it, it has to be a sustainable supply. So we, we, it's a balance. Yeah, well, just on that word sustainable, you know, you, you're very much at the forefront of that. That's something you're very passionate about, isn't it? We've done a lot recently um, in we in Randall's Hotel. We, we, we're, we've completed a three-year sort of energy program where we have moved away from gas and oil um, and we in installed heat pumps. Uh, so now all our space heating in the bedrooms or domestic hot water uh, in our leisure centre in particular, uh, it's, all, it's all powered by, by heat pumps, which is electricity. And then on top of that, we put in a 35 kilowatt solar farm on the roof of Randall's Hotel. And we have a 65 kilowatt solar farm on the roof of Drumhall Hotel. And there's a lot of benefits in that. It, it was a complicated project. As I say, Randall's Hotel, the original house dates back to 1906. The building itself is built in numerous phases. So it was a difficult project. But the end result is that we have a close to a carbon free property. We have got solar panels or PV panels on the roof, providing us with electricity. Um, it's more cost efficient. It's what our guests wants. And ultimately, it's better for the environment. We've done a lot of other things around that, which a lot of hoteliers around the country have done. You know, the changing out of lights, uh, the, you know, the reduction in food waste. Um, Killarney recently has uh, we have a it's a scheme where it's 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 a to go cup scheme. So now there's over 50 business in Killarney, including most of the hotels. Uh, you can no longer get a tear coffee in a paper cup. You are given a plastic reusable cup where there's a charge of two euros. But when you're finished your cup of tear coffee, you can go into the nearest coffee shop, give the coffee cup back and you get your two euros back. That has saved, uh, it's approximate over 150,000 cups a week in the town of Killarney. So it's been a great success. And that's that's been a town initiative. And, and I spoke earlier on about having healthy competition. All the hoteliers, all the coffee shops, all the restaurants worked hard on that together. You know what I mean? And it's a beneficial project for the town. So the cumulative uh, approach to, you know, everybody, everybody got on the bus. Everybody got on the bus. 
And amazingly, the customers are really on, really on board. I mean, we thought it would be challenging with an hotel environment where somebody says to you, can I have a coffee to go? And you're charged them an extra two euros on top of the price of their coffee. We explain it to them. We explain it to when they arrive in and they're absolutely no problem with it. You know what I mean? They think it's a great initiative. And then you see tourists go around and they have their, their to-go cup and they have it with them and it's, it can be cleaned and you can use it in another coffee shop if you wish. So, and, and you, you know, a lot of these sustainability issues or efforts, it's what our customers want. You know, if people expect to see this in hotels. And that, that initiative has pr proven very successful, so. To date, it's been very successful. And I, I think it's, there's a lot of other towns that are interested in it. And hopefully we'll see much more of it. So um, that started in Killarney. It's a great initiative. Um, so, I, I, but going back to sustainability, it's what our customers want. You know what I mean? They're, they're, there's all generations of customers, young and old, uh, they're no longer happy to see small bars of soap or small gels, you know what I mean? They're now much more accepting of corridors where the lights turn on, you know. Um, you know, we have a policy of serving a portion that I would consider is a, is a normal portion and saying, if you'd like any more, just please let us know, as opposed to this portion that is designed to satisfy the hungriest person in the room. Um, you know, and and people people like that, you know, and they like to see that happening. Yeah, I suppose, you know, people eat with their eyes, but not, <laughs> there's some concerns the same, you know. Absolutely. I don't think anybody leaves a hotel breakfast feeling, feeling hungry, you know what I mean? So it is an area uh, of huge waste and ignoring the cost. I mean, in recent years, I... I've started to find it offensive, the amount of food waste that we have, you know what I mean? And it goes, goes back to my mother's day, you know, back to a time when, you know, food waste was not acceptable. It, it morally wasn't acceptable. And I think it's something that uh, hotels and restaurants have made great strides upon. And, and I think it's what our customers want. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Guestline, an access company leading hospitality software provider and the most mature cloud-based PMS offering innovative solutions for accommodation providers worldwide looking to streamline operations and enhance guest experiences. Now, I was just talking about, um, you know, I suppose uh, how the industry has changed and moved. You know, attracting young people and training them, as we said, is, is, is an issue. But how do, you, how do you think we should look after the, the young people and the people in the industry like with regard to conditions of work and actually be more flexible? Look, uh, firstly, I, I don't think anybody in this industry should be working more than 40 hours a week. Um, it's generally a policy that we have within our hotels. We don't want people to work more than 40 hours a week. You know, we're a great industry that can offer flexibility. I mean, who says that the working week, Monday to Friday, nine to five thirty, is the correct working week? You know, and and I, I think, and certainly in recent years, I've had more coming out of COVID. I've had more conversations with people that work with us, and uh, what sort of work week suits you? Do you like Do you like to work at seven thirty in the morning, or do you prefer to start at three? Are you Are you a late, a late bird or an early bird? And there's a lot of those out there, people who like to start late and like to finish late, you know. There's people who would like to do 40 hours within a four day week, you know what I mean? And, and that can suit us and that can, that can suit uh, the people that are working for us. So I think there's people out there, at, they love to work four mornings a week from 7.30 to 11.30 and be at home when their kids come in from school, you know what I mean? So I think we're actually an industry that should be able to boast about our flexibility of people, you know what I mean? 
um, if somebody is studying Monday to Friday, isn't it wonderful that they can work with us on a Saturday and Sunday? So I, I think as an industry, we should be boasting about our flexibility that we can offer. Okay, they can, they, you can meet the demands of everyone. Absolutely, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, if, if, if you need X amount of hours in a week, uh, it doesn't have to be divided by 40. It can be divided by 15 hours or 20 hours. So I think there's great flexibility we offer. You know, I think as an industry, I, I, I think we need to um, step up to good pay. And certainly um, any successful hoteliers that I speak to, they pay their people well, because if you if you pay people well, they will stay with you. They will deliver to, to guests. And we find within our own property that um, People sort of start with us and they might be with us for four weeks if they're not going the direction of everybody else. Or luckily enough, we have a lot of staff that have been with us for over 10, 15, 20, even 25 years. So that if they come to our organisation, we're all going the same direction. It's somewhat like a flock of birds. Uh, Would you be in favour, though, say, of the, the apprenticeship schemes? Do you think that, that we need to reintroduce those into the sector? I think they're very, very beneficial, particularly in the craft areas such as chefing, um, you know, administration and things like that. Uh, I do think that maybe the days of somebody doing an apprenticeship in a restaurant or a bar and being with you for 10 to 15 to 20 years, I think those days are going to change, you know. Um, but I, I, I think apprenticeships have their place, but I don't think that they're the answer. Certainly apprenticeships in chefing are very important. Okay. And just talking about culinary and you know, the culinary arena, I mean, the talk now about identifying Ireland as a culinary destination, is that something that you would be willing to engage with or do you feel we should be pushing out? No, absolutely. You know, I, I, we're so lucky in this country, the wonderful food produce we have, you know what I mean? And uh, I mean, we have it from our grown vegetables, we have it in our poultry, we have particularly famous for our beef, the recent classification of Irish grass-fed beef. Um, we have an image, you know, and that's, that's the start of a good culinary culture is to have really good ingredients, um, you know, and I, and I think absolutely we can. I think it's it's we should be seen as a, a green, sustainable, um, good food, healthy food destination. Right, right. Uh, to, to maybe move it on a bit to talk more about how you operate, in, in, you know, in the way that the industry has changed and how how uh, challenging it is. What role has technology got to do for you? What has technology given you? Yeah, I mean, technology is very important. I mean, if if you look in the recent 15, 20 years, I mean, the first fundamental technological influence in our industry was the internet. I'm going back a little bit, but, you know, this is where no longer a guest has to go to a travel agent or has to ring a hotel to... Um, book their room and that is a fundamental change and over time that has gone from people you know booking rooms on their phone in a hotel to arrive within the next two hours and if you look at that concept as opposed to how somebody booked your hotel 20 years ago it's a fundamental change you know what I mean we have seen the onset of the OTAs uh, we have seen the role of uh, your traditional tour operator decrease um, which is huge there's a huge cost base there as well. Uh, you've also seen the introduction of your online reputation uh, 
before you maybe stayed in a hotel because it was rated three star, four star, five star, and you relied on the, the national authorities. Now your reputation is up there front and central. So we have to be very serious about what we can do. We cannot allow our guests go out unhappy, which is a really good thing for the hotel industry because we have to achieve to a higher level than we ever had to achieve. It's really good for the customer uh, because they have much more clarity on what they're booking. Now, is it a perfect system either? We all know that it has its, um, it, it, its good and bad aspects to it and it's not always very clear. Uh, again, I suppose the move away from traditional advertising to get your customers, you know, uh, again, who buys newspapers anymore? What hotels advertise in newspapers? So it's all about your digital presence. Uh, how are you digitally? How easy is it to book you? Secondly, um, dynamic rates, you know, um, there's full clarity out there on what you charge. You have to be properly priced within the marketplace, you know, through everybody's looking at each other as to what they're charging. Um, so you had dynamic rate setting is critical to our industry. And again, technology is playing a bigger role than ever in terms of of your rate setting, what your customers are, are expected to pay, what your competitors are charging. Um, so we're it's been fundamental. I mean, the digital transformation has been fundamental. Mm -hmm. And how do you now manage all this then? What sort of systems have you in place within your operation? Guestline ResLinks is our property management system that's a cloud-based system. Um, so again, handily, it can be accessed from anywhere. Uh, I can look at information. I can look at what's happening remotely, which, which, which is a great benefit. And uh, I suppose how that integrates with our booking engines, with our own booking engine directly. Um, how it integrates with ExpediaBooking.com. Again, I think the advent of two-way uh, integration has been fundamental in lots of ways, and I suppose it, it's the you know it is uh, it is a step forward in how we operate. And I, I think there's sadly there's probably less interaction with a guest before they arrive as there was before. So now it's very much online. The booking drops straight in. And I think you'll find more and more the influence of AI and the guest relationship is going to increase a lot over the next five years. The guest is no longer going to call in or send an email looking for extras. They're going to do it through chatbots on your website and things like that. So and I think that's the next stage of the digital transformation. Right. And how, is that, how does that all fit in with sustainability or does it fit in with sustainability? AI, you mean? Well, the whole technology, you know, like, you know, because yeah. it's talked about these databases, these big data. It's slightly different, I suppose, in terms of our sustainability projects. Uh, I would look at it as being plant. It's it's highly advanced plant. It's much more intelligent than the plant of ten or fifteen years ago. You know, it can tell it's cold outside, we better heat up a little bit, or it's warm today and we better cool down a little bit. So I suppose, uh, I, I suppose I, the big piece of technology I see is the information that we now have at our fingerprints. At any hour, within any day over the last 365 days, I can tell you what our pool was costing, what our kitchen was costing in terms of energy. So I think the information delivery, technology is delivering much more information on sustainability. Also in relation to the ability to, uh, you know, complicated build building management systems, you know, or heating 
if required, if human intervention is required, it can be done from an app or from, from a computer, you know what I mean? So uh, our heating systems are looking at the weather forecast. They look at the weather forecast, they say, right, it's going to be a cold there. We, we, we better need to gently ramp up there and start to heat up. So uh, that's where technology and sustainability is helping each other. Right, so there's not that sort of, you know, sort of large boost of energy being wasted. Absolutely. And ideally, it's saying, OK, it's going to be cold today. Let's heat the building up at four o'clock in the morning at a lower rate, as opposed to doing it at 12 o'clock in the day when it's needed. So it's much smarter in that respect. And again, technology is important that you, I suppose, have the confidence in, in the system you use and also for the, for the support. And do you feel you get that support with your current provider? Absolutely. I mean, it's again, uh, if you look again at guest line, our support is all done from the UK. It's it's all done online. Uh, I can't think of the last time we've had a need or had a, a desire to talk to somebody in support. It's all done online. They can come in. They look at our systems remotely. Uh, touch wood. We don't have to contact support very rarely. Uh, often support is is uh, introduction of new software, upgrading and software, upgraded the systems. That's really our only liaison with support. But again, it's all done remotely and it's all cloud based. So it's very it really is very trouble free. Yeah. And again, I think uh, guest line preempt what the hotels want, what the guests want. And instead of guest line, instead of you going to guest line saying, oh, can you do this for me or can you fix this for me? They're saying this is what you need to have. So we're in, we're going to put that into your software next week. So they're continually developing it. You know, to look at the industry in the context of how it sits at the cabinet table, you know, a lot of, a lot of people in the industry would, would tell me regularly that they don't have confidence or great belief that in our current minister that she hasn't done very well. And secondly, that um, the, 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 that the government, you know, past and present government do not understand tourism. I think they do understand the value of tourism. I think they do understand the job that it creates. Um, if you look at the particular department, it's probably one of the longest department descriptions there is. I think it, it's in too many areas. Does it make sense that we're in with transport? Yes and no. Does it make sense that we're in with the arts? Yes and no. But I, I, I would like to say, I don't think we should have a completely independent department, but I would like to see a department where tourism is at the forefront. Mm -hmm. That has a bigger voice. That has a bigger voice, um, you know, where it is seen as a senior cabinet position and, you know, and where would might have the same, you know, uh, clout that agriculture seems to have and which is deserved. Uh, I do feel that tourism should but have. Do you think part of that may be down to the, to the perception by, by politicians that tourism doesn't have a great folk block? Yeah, you know, I think tourism has always worked. Tourism has always delivered and a politician often won't focus on something that um, that delivers and works and, you know, and maybe we're a little bit too polite at times. Uh, I, I think we've become more effective in recent years in lobbying government and just because we're not um, sitting outside the gates of the doll, uh, roaring and shouting, uh, you know, we, we are doing quite a lot in the background um, in a quieter way. Yeah, but I mean, like when, you know, when you hear the government talk about investment and they talk about big pharma companies, I mean, Google's and these companies and the money they bring in. Like, I remember when I was at school, we taught in the civics class that 
we should treat our tourists as foreign investment. But that doesn't need to be how the government see it. Um, absolutely, I suppose it, it, it is a foreign investment. We, we are technically we are technically an export when we sell to foreign countries. Uh, I, I don't think you can expect governments to go out and start building hotels. I mean, in particular through COVID, they, they, they were very supportive. Um, you know, I, I do think that they acknowledge the importance of the industry and let's bear in mind a healthy economy with the Googles and the Apples um, drives the tourism industry. It drives the domestic tourism industry, but it also drives um, business tourism. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it, it, on that sense, like you talked about the, the industry and how it all works together, and you all you all sort of support each other. Do you feel that you know the industry does embrace technology sufficiently? No, I don't. I, I don't think I. I do like to have a lot of cutting edge technology within my property that has been to my detriment at times. Mm-hmm. Um, there's certainly some of my colleagues who don't feel technology is important, who I would never discuss technology with me. Um, but that might be a hotelier that is much more focused on the culinary benefits of the hotel. I mean, I personally believe that uh, our guests, and it is proven particularly male guests, like technology at their fingertips. I mean, when you stay in a hotel, it should be better than your home. It should be more impressive than your home. So I think and if we look at basic technology, like having a, a super large TV with really good channels, that's technology that people want. If we look at having Bluetooth guest, guest alarms in the room with wireless charging, that's what guests want. And guests enjoy that, you know. Um, we uh, have we have online check-in, so a few days before your arrival, you will receive, you will receive an option to check in uh, to your phone. And, and certain people love that, they love to check in. And then there's other people who will never use the online check-in function. There's certain people who uh, love to use the online check-out, but then there's other people who want to come down to the desk and they want to have a chat about their stay and they want to talk to the receptionist. So, you know, I don't think we should allow technology to take us over, uh, but it is something that our customers want. Uh, I think if you lack in technology, it sometimes, you know, it, it underwhelms guests if you, if you don't have that technological, those technological advances. So to maybe wrap up on that, you know, you're, you're, you said you're third generation and hopefully the two <laughs> carrying footballers might, might come into it. And how do you think, you know, the entry will be in say five, six years time? Yeah, I, I think it's going to change. I, I think maybe if next five or six, I, I, I don't think it's going to change too much, but I do see um, less family business in the, in, in the industry. I, I, you know, I am meeting colleagues who maybe own a hotel and, their children have no interest in it and they're very sort of, you know, what am I doing here? You know what I mean? So, and I think you will see more companies that turn into bigger hotel groups and I, I'm, they won't necessarily be dilatisized, but it might be business people with a hotel background that have five or six or seven hotels. I think there is a future there in the management of hotels. Um, again, somebody who has a hotel, and uh, again, some managing companies that will take it forward into the modern and the future area for the next 10 to 15 years, and they might step away from the operational hotel. So I don't think we're going to have a return like we had in the boom days of large hotel organisations like Ramada or Four Seasons coming into the Irish market. We're, we're a complicated market. 
particularly outside of Dublin, it's still, you know, we're still a seasonal market, which I think the large hotel chains find it very difficult to manage. Mm. But given that, you would still, you still like what you do. You wouldn't change it for anything. I, I love what I do. I enjoy going to work every day of the week. It's, uh, as I say, it's always different. It's always changeable. Um, if my two sons do go into the industry or not go into the industry, I will still like it. So it's, uh, we, we'll see. Right, OK. Well, Tom Rance, thanks very much for your time. You've been listening to the Hospitality on a Plate podcast brought to you by Hotel and Restaurant Times, kindly supported by Guestline, an access company, technology solutions for the hospitality industry. Follow us on all social media platforms or hotelandrestauranttimes.ie.